I'm excited about <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> Jay just ate Arthur's tail. I did. Jay's getting a little too into this podcast. <laughs> you turn into a vegetarian, meanwhile. I know. I'm a vegetarian now, and Jay's eating his cat. <clears throat> bit by this bit. Is this a new change for you? You've become a vegetarian? Yeah, yeah. Be uh, Between the cannibal... Well, I used to be a vegetarian, and then I started eating meat, and then... Uh, between the the podcast and going to an animal sanctuary and meeting two calves that were rescued from becoming veal, I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Just get bunnies. Yeah, I had I had a bunny when we when my spouse and I were vegetarian. We had a bunny. Yeah, see, because they're vegetarian, and yeah. then you eat meat in front of them, and you're like, oh, sorry, Arthur. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me, bunny. But that's because like the prescription hypoallergenic food that they give to cats uses hydrolyzed protein mm-hmm. and there's chicken fat in it. Um, but otherwise there's no meat in it because um, one a common allergen among cats is actually chicken. Um, and so, yeah, hypoallergenic cat food is basically vegetarian except for like chicken fat. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. yeah. My cats are definitely meat eaters but i don't hold it against them it's just you know yeah like i'm not one of those people that's trying to force my pet to be vegan or vegetarian that's literally how like prescription cat food works yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) no i know there are people who try and force their cat to be vegan and it's like um i don't know if that's trying to lie and to eat tofu greatest idea no yeah arthur you have way too much hair now when those kittens showed up at my house i was like oh i gotta go get like meat-based food because yeah. i'm like they're they're carnivores they're, they're literally carnivora they are they're apex predators they they can't help it isn't that right Arthur? Yeah, they need you an apex predator yeah that's why your eyes are where they are yeah. <laughs> oh i know bub oh it's arthur time no oh, hi arthur time i pound cake i decided can't be in here for this oh there's too much going on i have i printed out one of these papers and it's like 30 pages and i was like i can't deal with a cat sitting on my papers right now that's fair this is a very academic episode damn it yes we're super serious yeah cool let's get fucking started i've got something Welcome to Tinder Subject, the only podcast that isn't a cannibal. We swear we're actually not eating people. Y'all are reading the symbolism wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm Jay. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm a music librarian, and I'm very excited about this. Um, and this is my co-host, Kate. Kate. Hello, I'm Kate. Um, <laughs> My pronouns are she, her, they, them, and I'm an artist, and I'm so not a cannibal that now I'm a vegetarian. Woo! Yeah. Thanks, tender subject. Yay. <laughs> um, and we have a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? I am a weapon! <laughs> Listen, I just took a drink of water. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's really good timing on my part. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, I'm Justin... I am a scholarly communications librarian. My pronouns are he and they. 
Yes. Who the hell are you? Why, why are you on here? Library Punk Rules. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> Plugs up front. Already did. That's about it. <laughs> you don't want to say anything else. <laughs> what else is there to know? Uh, I, I, have, I have weird religious trauma that I worked out over a course of a decade by learning a lot of comparative mythology uh, every day after I got home from church. And then I was like, okay, I got to deprogram myself for two hours. So that's like at least like an undergraduate degree level of, of uh, religious studies education. Hell yeah. That's right. You're also one of my co-hosts on Library Punk, which is important. <laughs> <laughs> Justin doesn't want to talk about that today. <laughs> We're just I talking about eating plugged. people. Yeah, so what are we talking about, actually? We're talking about cannibalism in early Christianity. So by early Christianity, we mean second century Christianity, because there probably wasn't a whole lot of Christianity in the first century, no matter what people will tell you in your New Testament class. <laughs> um, and we figured, like, because we, we knew starting out that we were going to do some sort of episode, particularly on like Catholicism or something. I was never raised Catholic as previously stated, but I know that there's a lot of, you know, drinking blood and eating flesh. So much of it. In there. But I know Justin's real big nerd about this kind of thing. And when, when they suggested like early Christianity, I thought that would be really cool because I figured that would not be the sort of angle maybe people would expect us to go with to talk about cannibalism within Christianity. So I was really excited that, Justin, that you brought up that like this era of Christianity and not let's just talk about transubstantiation for an hour, you know? Yeah, because it's not really going to come up. Um because transubstantiation, I mean, it is a literal doctrine of Christ becoming part of your body and you digesting it. And that's, this is all going to come up. Um, but like, it doesn't really matter in the same way that like eating flesh and stuff matters to early Christians. They're very concerned with like the bodily resurrection, big important thing. And uh, that's why they're worried about like uh, what happens to your body after you die. But transubstantiation, it's like, well, what if you. What if you're gluten intolerant? It's like, well, the body of Christ actually transubstantiates in such a way that it imitates gluten. It's like, okay, like, fine, whatever. Like, it doesn't, it, it is a literal doctrine of the Catholic Church, but it doesn't like really, you know, it's, it's not the same kind of thing that these people were worried about. They were worried about like their reconstructed bodies. Like, what happens if a dog eats me? Like, what, what happens? They're really worried about this. And I had no idea about any of this. I really don't know a lot about early Christianity. I figure maybe a lot of people don't. Most scholars don't. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really interesting that like what people are so terrified about is this sort of like, it's like metaphysical dread, you know, that they're like, if something, if I get eaten or if there are cannibals out there that are like eating people, what does that say about humanity? And like what happens to all of us like it's this dread of like anar i mean basically like anarchy like not having yeah. any control yeah so i guess i should do my plugs i didn't do them right <laughs> do I, them I, right I was introducing yeah i thought i was introducing the topic and then plugs uh, well so, we can do both yeah yeah so i did um do library punk but i've been on other podcasts so i've been on post ponies if you want to hear me be the drunkest man alive, I I I was the drunkest person I've ever heard make it through a podcast. Nice. Um, I'm going to listen to that right after this then. <laughs> no, don't. I'm, okay. I'm plugging it, 
listen to that podcast. Don't listen, don't listen to the episode I'm on. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a trans feminine reading of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, and the Rise of Fascism in America. Um, I'm going to be on Data Transfer, which is a trans feminine reading of uh, uh, Digimon, Digital Monsters. I've been on that one. I was um, really high on my episode. <laughs> I was stone cold sober because I didn't want to do that to Corla again. Um, she's on both of those podcasts. And uh, Corla's like, my, not again. <laughs> I got myself banned on Twitter. So you can follow me on Blue Sky at Smazzy. I posted Hi. my way into Twitter and I posted my way out of it. <laughs> nice. It's good to go out in a blaze of glory, I think, on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to be like, Deactivate and reactivate like a coward. I'm like, no, I'm getting permanently banned. Yeah. I'm 20 tweets of Bud Dwyer to Ted Cruz. Like, and they're not going to be like, delete one of these. No, it's going to be like, I sent like 20 tweets. I was posting people's addresses. I was having a, I was having a great time. You went down in a, a blaze of we glory. Salute you. Yeah. yeah. Salute the troops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do we want to start this? Eating people in, uh, Early Christianity. Would it ma- well, make sense? Well, I learned. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Justin. <laughs> oh, well, I learned. What I thought was really interesting about learning about this was the way we talk about cannibalism. And this might be a theme running through your podcast, you might find. Is we, we being like the Western tradition, I'm putting these in like big quotes, right? But from like the Greeks to the Romans to then like, Christianity taking over Rome and then and medievalism to like the early colonial era. Cannibalism is like this thing that other people do yes. like way out there in the periphery. Mm-hmm. And it's a sign of uncivilization. Yep. And so like, whenever you come into uncivilized people, they're doing cannibalism. And it's, it's very interesting that that strain of idea, like was imposed on Christians and then adapted by Christians and then used by Christians against people, you know, all across the world for 1600 years 1700 years 1800 years yeah roughly like it's a very persistent idea that cannibalism is just like this thing that happens on the periphery to people we don't understand and fear yeah we talked about that a little bit with um frank when they were on to talk about the um the cannibalism manifesto which is like a brazilian modernism manifesto but in brazilian it's like the more accurate translation would be um and anthropophagy uh manifesto like about like the ritualized eating of like you know fallen soldiers and then like stuff like that and not what we think of when we think of cannibalism but the english translation makes it cannibal but we you know and so we talk a lot about like that differentiation of like cannibalism has this stigma to it of like and i've been in big quotes here of like savagery um, that maybe other words that mean similar things or other practices like don't have those stigmas, but cannibalism is almost like othering, like you said, but also like of like indigeneity and savagery as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it comes from like Caribbean. Yeah, Caribbean, yeah. It comes from like people mm-hmm. in the Caribbean. Yep. It means a savage, and like the Greek word would be autophagy. It's probably the word we would have used up until fifteen fifty. Yeah, I mean, we talked about then the, in the Cannibal Manifesto and, and like the Anthropophagia, they talk about like the like Caribe people mm-hmm. and like, you know, that like 
from the other perspective, you know, like we are those people and yes, like we are the people that you fear mm-hmm. and we will just devour you. Rules. Um, <laughs> you know, metaphorically. Yes. It fucking rules. Everyone should read it. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, I think it's so interesting also that like in the, the article that um, you suggested that we read that eating people accusations of cannibalism against Christians in the second century, a lot of the time cannibalism is paired with other taboos like incest mm-hmm. or like grooming children, um, which, you know, clearly is not something that's ever changed. <laughs> I mean, we don't really, like, accuse people outright of cannibalism as much anymore, like, maybe metaphorically, but there is definitely the grooming aspect that is still, like, taboo. And of political uh, undermining. Yeah. Yeah. Like how sodomy was often used for political undermining. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The the political cannibal is something we'll bring up. Yeah, that was so so cool too. (laughs) Talking about yeah, like the the different versions of cannibalism, um, the gas, and then like uh, endo and exo cannibalism, gastronomic ritual and mortuary cannibalism, depending on why, and then the political and like ritual cannibalism. Yeah, and mythological cannibalism. Polyphemus, he's a man eater. He's an autophagy. He's an anthro anthropophagi yeah yeah and also that like the um you know this article talks about how the um you know the the entire concept of like blood libel mm-hmm. came from you know it was an accusation against christians who then took it and like because they knew it already yeah it's like a pre-existing sort of like you eat babies or you kill babies you're you're an infanticidist yeah and i was that was one thing i couldn't quite figure out if if blood libel was something that pre-existed the existence of christians Mm -hmm. or if that was because blood libel i would use as a specific term like a like a term of art more or less about like a specific kind of thing christians did against jews right yeah so i wouldn't say like i couldn't find a like anyone willing to say like blood libel starts with Christians and then goes back. But it's like the weird thing about all of this is we only have Christian sources, right? We don't have any pagan sources that are like, these Christians are cannibals, right? The closest thing, the closest thing we have. So we only have apologists saying they're accusing us of being cannibals and here's why we're not. Here's why we couldn't be. And the only thing we have is from this uh, one source, uh, Minucius Felix, so happy the Minucius. I don't I don't know that much Latin, but I know his name is Happy. So Happy says Happy has this dialogue between a pagan lawyer and a Christian, but but Happy is the Christian. So we don't have any like actual pagan sources. That's what I was looking for, but I don't think we have anything of like actual pagans writing and being like these Christians are eating people. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you think uh, what do you think it is about kind of specifically the second century? Um, and sort of, you know, the sort of Christianity, you know, slouching towards Bethlehem to be born kind of thing that like made it so ripe for these kinds of dreads and discussions. I mean, that's the question, right? I mean, is Christianity a Jewish religion? You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, most the consensus, scholarly consensus is yes. It's just, it's an offshoot of Judaism, possibly the Essenes, right? This is the 
and they become, uh, but they are highly Romanized from the beginning. All their holy scriptures are in Greek, which is the lingua franca of Rome. They're not in Hebrew. We have no Hebrew sources of early Christians. Everyone who's writing has a Roman education. So every Christian from the beginning is like a Roman, especially Paul. Paul is like, you know, the author of Christianity, right? So Paul is probably the only person writing in the first century if if he is a person that's that's more of a French theory, but it's fun to have fun. The thing is, like, you can't disprove these things because, like, right. otherwise you just find like new sources. So you can just be like, "Yeah, Paul didn't exist. He was just uh, he was just like a Apollonius of Tyana filled in his biography. Paul Apollos. His name is he's, he's named after Apollo. I mean, come on, this guy's this guy's Jewish. Come on, I mean, his name Saul. He becomes Paul Apollos. Jesus is you know. Anyway, that's a whole other thing about mythicism. Um, <laughs> you can go on we, as many tangents as you want, Justin. Don't worry. <laughs> we don't know anything about Christianity till the second century. I don't think any of the gospels were written in the first century. If they were, we don't have those versions. So it doesn't matter. So Justin Martyr is like one of the first people talking about this in 150 AD. And like, we don't have any other like pagan sources about this. Christians are good at preserving things by copying a lot and by using the codex because it's right. very useful technology. Yep. But they're not very good at preserving other people's stuff. Well, and pagans, you know, I mean, famously ha- have oral traditions, you know, like it's a different kind of like privileging, you know, that like the written isn't as important. It's about like sharing your stories with like the group yeah so the second century is weird and i can get into all kinds of arguments with the scholars and i'm not one i'm not I've, i haven't contributed anything to the field um i can't read greek i can't you know i can't read uh any of like coptic languages but christianity doesn't really exist until the second century so then we're this is sort of like where the political battles about christianity begin so I don't know if that answers your question about like why the second century, but I mean, but like cannibalism in particular, like why this existential dread about it that like right now in the second century? Well, because Christianity, I think, is ultimately a Roman religion, mm-hmm. it would explain why it needs acceptance from the Romans, even though it is eschewing like all kinds of Roman right, things, right? Yeah. So Again, the mainstream historic, well, actually, the old historiographical tradition would have been pagans just didn't understand the Christian symbolism. And that's why they called them uh, cannibals. And then in the 1980s and 1990s, the historiography changed to let's take this seriously, but not literally. It's kind of like the best way to read the Bible seriously, but not literally. Yeah. Because if you read it literally, you can't read it seriously. <laughs> um, so. They're like, okay, let's read this seriously. Let's believe that the pagans really did believe Christians were doing cannibalism. What would that imply? And it implies like that Christians are other political groups. They hold their meetings in secret. Why don't they have big temples? Even the Jews have big open temples. Why don't the Christians, right? Again, this is a Christian telling you this, a Christian who understands the difference between Jews and Christians. So uh, keep keep that in mind this whole time because none of this time do we have any pagan talking. Right, like this is basically just all extended anti-Semitism all the way down. Could be, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's, I mean it starts in the Gospels. I mean yeah. that's again a good indication they're not written by Jewish people. Um, but you know, tell Bart Ehrman that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Bart Ehrman's right, and if you take that too literally, you're Mel Gibson making God. Passion of the Christ. God, <laughs> Passion of the Christ is a good movie. Do not what? let Annie Rosenblatt hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's a good movie. I didn't say it was like good. It's a good movie. It's There's a good movie. Good it's entertaining. Good right. Mm-hmm. I like uh, non-binary, sexy uh, Satan in that movie. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah that, that's pretty dope. Um, I like that Monica Bellucci's so the, just there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone's just doing shit. It's really fun because it's not based on like any of the Gospels. You, you cram all the Gospels together, you make a new it's Gospel. It's based off of and this it's also based one on uh, a, Christian Mystics yeah. writing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty rad, but also extremely anti-Semitic. Yeah. Yeah, but super interesting. Um, and yeah, I mean, there were a lot of like Christian mystics who, and this is so much later, you know, not at all in the second century, um, many, many centuries later, who had all these like wild, you know, Jesus fever dreams. Um, mm-hmm. And they're super fascinating and sometimes really hot. Yeah, um, I think I'd make a good Christian mystic and like... The early Middle Ages. <laughs> I think I'd be good at it. Yeah, yeah, you could be Catherine of Siena and yeah. and have a dream that Jesus proposes to you with his dried up foreskin as a ring. Yeah, that's hot. Yeah, or or that he sends it off to Saturn to become the the rings of Saturn. Oh, that wig. Okay. He places it in the heavens. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that. What what is that one from? <laughs> I can't remember what that That's one's amazing. from. I love in the, in, in, with Benedetta that like Jesus has a pussy and not just the side wound pussy, but like has it pussy. Well, it makes sense. He wouldn't have a Y chromosome. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> like where'd he get it? Yeah. I mean, he is a virgin birth. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be XX. Yeah. So like he, he would most likely develop a pussy. Incredible. Love a Jizzasy. Jizzasy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we're so off topic i love it already see is what this podcast is about okay how dare you Jizzasi. finger in those jizzasies okay. got two jizzasies so, anyway the the main thing i think to take away from this is like cannibalism is like a system of othering yeah so you accuse people of cannibalism because you're saying they are some kind of other either they are on the periphery of your empire and you don't know anything about them or their political subversives, which I think is probably the like, most convincing argument of why, why accuse Christians in the second century of being cannibals, because they are political subversives. They won't swear oaths. Yeah. They won't take part in the cult of the Roman emperor, which is kind of reaching its height in the second century. So they're they are bowing out of this at the time when it reaches its most like fervent like this is a religion, um, but they they only meet at night, um, and so you say oh well they're meeting at night what are they doing they're having sex with their sisters and their mothers they're um, you know eating children uh, they are uh, eating people you know yeah I mean there's a whole book about um, sort of like early like kind of like proto anarchism in sort of like early and medieval Christianity and like with like the heretical cults and stuff. I'll, um, I'll put the name of the book in the, in the notes. I know they, um, I learned about it because um, the bad gaze episode on Benedetta 
Um, oh yeah, it. that was a great episode. Oh, God, so good. Uh, mentioned it as um, one of the the sources. Um, and I know in um, Caliban and the Witch by you know Silvia Federici uh, shouts out um, talks a lot about sort of like especially with like the heretics sort of like this sort of exact political othering and like sort of um, proto almost like proto communist or proto anarchist like thought um it's super interesting to think that that was sort of like in early christianity and stuff when you don't see it as much now and we like to think that like anarchism and communism are like totally antithetical to um any sort of um religious thought or practice or culture um when i just don't think that's the case at all nor should it should it be because you know, then we get like yeah. interesting history like this, like how people are framing um, and using their beliefs and their worship in other parts of their life. And I think Nietzsche had a point where he was like, Christianity has a slave morality. It's very much like an underdog story. It is, yeah. Um, you're waiting for the next world to come. But again, the the moment we learn anything about actual Christian political organization, they're already kind of a political organization. So it's like, are they just an offshoot of Roman religions? Are they are they actually political subversives? Yeah, they took over the Roman Empire. Like they were political subversives. Takes, like the Romans were right. <laughs> they might have been wrong about the eating people stuff, probably, but like they were political cannibals. Yeah, political cannibalism makes me think of um the story of Titus, which we have to we have to talk about that movie on Yeah. Um on this podcast, I love point. that movie. Yeah, it's so good. Have you seen Titus? The Epistle? Film? No, the um, the Julie Taymor adaptation of Titus Andronicus, starring Anthony Hopkins. No, isn't Titus Andronicus mostly just about killing people? Yeah, it's his Tarantino phase. Oh. Uh, it's really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, it's really. I think it's the bad Shakespeare, but I think it's the great Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's like it's a sicko Shakespeare. Shakespeare but yeah, it's, sicko it's not the sort Shakespeare. of thing like I would sit down and read. Like I'm a big Hamlet fan. Like you know. I was an angsty teen. I like Hamlet. Hoops amongst us, yeah. am I right? Titus is great for ang- for angst too, I think. Yeah. But um basically like yeah, um at the end he kills like the sons of um what's her face? Uh, and like feeds them like to her. Yeah. yeah Good I example mean, I- of political cannibalism, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Makes him in a pile. Yeah. And they're they're all well, that will come up. And also, I'm just thinking, like, were you a Romeo and Juliet teen or were you a Hamlet teen? Were you a horny teen or an angry teen? Oh, <laughs> I think that's like Hamlet. Hamlet. I think I was a Romeo and Juliet. Well, Romeo and Juliet came out. The the Romeo plus Juliet figured into my teenhood a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, um, that's, I didn't ask for, like, which one. It's just like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I was a Hamlet <laughs> teen other than just. Like that adaptation, which is a pretty yeah. like angry and horny adaptation. Yeah, it's very much the Boondock Saints of um, of Shakespeare adaptations. Sure, that makes sense. <laughs> angry, Someone horny, and queer. That. Yeah, yeah, just like Boondock Saints. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm arguing for a queer reading of Boondock Saints. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot it's of there. controversial statements being There's made this evening. Of it, actually. It's, it's not, Can we do that movie next? Yeah. They say, do they eat each other? Well, they the end? a lot, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, should we go into like the different kinds of cannibalistic well, accusations? No, it was just I lost my train of thought. Oh crap! Because I wanted to make that that Shakespeare joke, and that overtook my part of my brain that wanted to say, Jay, what were you saying right before I made that Well, I was um, thinking about, like, I really liked um, with the political cannibal, and this is actually something that we've, like, kind of talked about on Library Punk, um, as, like, um, what does order and disorder mean, um, especially, like, with regards to, like, anarchism or something. And in the notes here, you have um, for the political cannibal as, like, cannibalism is a um, charge of disorder, a quote threat to humanity by consuming humanity. And so like thinking about, especially if we think about the Brazilian cannibal manifesto as like, yes, we are like doing the thing that you are accusing us of. Um, and so what is it about this sort of idea of cannibalism that is such a threat to the sort of quote, like, western christian like like not even world but like cosmology ontology even it's like a threat yeah to cosmology is a good point yeah. yeah that's what i was thinking was the when you were saying uh bakes them into a pie <laughs> whatever that's the thiestes story and that's not a story yep. we're like old but it's a story that is leveraged against early christians so they say you are like Thyestes and you're like Oedipus, meaning you eat children or your family and you fuck your mother. Um, so they say they've done. So instead of saying they are like anthropophagi, they say they are doing things of thi- uh, of Thyestes or of uh, or of Oedipus. So they'll 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 they're doing a, a that Star Trek episode, Darmok and whatever. Darmok and Halad, yeah. So they're saying, and they're they're implying that you're cannibals by saying you're doing the Thyestes crime, right? And so all of these stories are very much like it's the way people talk about uh, homosexuality. You know, the the, the yeah, French yeah, yeah. vice, yeah, 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 yeah. The Portuguese vice, the English vice, yeah. Depending on which side, yeah, right. Whoever your enemy is, that's the vice, right? Same thing with the syphilis, the French syphilis. Disease, yeah, Portuguese everybody had disease. a different. Yeah, like the Polish disease, the Spanish disease, whatever, depending on where you are. So, and part of the Thyestes thing is like, they keep the head and the feet, usually to identify the person after you eat. So you feed the child to the leader, the leader's like done some kind of crime. The leader eats the their own children as punishment. And then the crime is revealed to them by showing them either the head or the feet. Now, why the feet? You can't identify someone from feet unless you're like really into them. That's because that's the parts of the body in Roman and Greek society that are kept for the gods, right? Yeah. The head and the feet. So those are, so that brings in sort of the mythological cannibal, which is mm-hmm. something that, um, that uh, McGowan talks about. McGowan's like the big article I'm pulling from because it was honestly the best one. There's another one that's from 2023. She's literally just plagiarizing McGowan. It's kind <laughs> of like, y- you could get in trouble for how bad you plagiarized him. Wow. Um, do you know why the gods were so into feet? I mean, <laughs> well, because you can't eat hooves. Oh, so they just kept them around as, as little feet trophies. You, you burn them, you burn the stuff you can't eat and the gods smell it and mm-hmm. they go, Oh, that smells great. Cause it smells like barbecue, but like, you're not going to eat the head and the feet. So that's why you burn the parts that you don't want to eat. 
Mm, okay. That's how sacrifice generally works. You you eat most of the animal, but then you sacrifice the parts you don't want to eat. Right. Okay. So that's how feet comes into it. But it, but like you can't <laughs> identify someone by their feet. So it's weird that in these stories they're like, "Oh, my son's foot." How you know? I I recognize it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um. So it explains like the mythological cannibal, where it's like, okay, back in the back before times, back. When Achilles was around, back when the ancient heroes, back when the gods were around, yes, they hadn't civilized themselves. They hadn't civilized their diet. And this is a big deal to ancient people. Like, if your diet is not civilized, it's a big problem. So, if you're not eating the same shit that we're eating, that's a problem. And Christians aren't eating food offered to gods. So, this is a big problem because you're not eating the shit we're eating. What's going on with you? This is a big item of suspicion. I thought it was very interesting that, like, yeah, as I feel like this happens a lot um, over time, that, like, uh, human sacrifice becomes animal sacrifice as, like, a a, way of civil, like, slightly civilizing, like, a, a, you know, like, religious process. Yeah, it's literally scapegoating or a sacrificial lamb. It's literally you're taking yeah. the sins of humanity and putting it onto an animal. So we could sacrifice a human or we'll trick the gods by putting, you know, a coat on a goat and we'll right. send it out to the desert to die, right? Coat on a goat. And that will that will pacify the gods. Yeah, coat on a goat. Love a coat on so, a goat. <laughs> that's kind of the idea. It's like, yeah, maybe in the past we did do human sacrifice for these things and then that became as a sort of like progress of history that became right. an animal sacrifice. But it's more likely like we just always sacrificed the parts we weren't going to eat to the gods. That also makes sense. Like he- ancient humans aren't less intelligent than we are. They just don't know the same things that we know. Right. Um, they would be like, yeah, yeah, you can, you can trick the gods. You can put a, put a shirt on this, this little dude and, and we'll eat them. Hmm. But for the political cannibals. So like I already mentioned, like, Cannibalism's a charge of disorder. Um, Christians are doing subversive oaths. Uh, I mentioned Polyphemus is is a man eater. He has no society, right? They're all like they're all like uh, libertarians. They all live on their own little islands, and they're like, no one has blinded me. And all his neighbors go, shut up, asshole. Live free or die, baby. <laughs> I will no longer be living living free and dying in a month. Isn't that weird? Yay! And yeah, the hidden nighttime rituals. Romans are suspicious of this. But again, it's like you're not eating the food we're eating and you're not swearing oaths to the emperor. You are political radicals, even if I think, as I suspect, most of you are like Romans or in the Roman Empire in some way. Um, you just worship the Jewish God in a different way, right? Um, there's there's an there's an extended part of this, which is okay, so you worship the Jewish God. You don't follow kosher laws, so I mean, kosher law hasn't really existed yet, but you you don't follow Jewish dietary laws. And the Romans respect the Jewish religion because it's old, right? That's the the major historiography we're always taught. The the Romans liked the Jewish religion because it was old. They respected it. But it also harkens back to pre-civilized eating, so there's sort of this, like, Jews, Jews have an old religion, but... They're closer to cannibalism and the old times, the things that the gods did, the things that the epic heroes did. They're closer to that than we are. We're more civilized. So it doesn't really like 
save them from charges of being cannibals or anything like that. Or at least being closer to cannibals. Being some kind of like, cannibalism is othering. So they're not quite cannibals, but they're still other. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like and the Christians linguistic... being politically, yeah. It's like the linguistic concept of uh, being marked. Um, where it's like, and then um, this sort of concept of being marked, I know um, Sarah Ahmed has been bringing it sort of out of the linguistic realm to talk about um, women who complain um, and stuff. It's like by complaining, then like whatever you're complaining about marks you. Um, And then that's why it's like people don't like when people complain and stuff. And I'm oversimplifying it, but like this linguistic concept of marking where even if like by just like the word itself, like, you know, the label itself being put on you. It's right. this whole, like, you become then marked, like, almost physically, almost literally, um, and how it affects then how you are seen, how you move through society. Um, like, it's not even identity. Like, we would think of, like, identity and labeling today uh, with, you know, like, sexualities, for example. It's 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 more like a... Um, it's like a change in ontology. Like it affects, it almost like infects you and poisons you. Like this concept of, of marking. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of rambly. But. <laughs> no, it's not a ramble. It's good. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff about like this, you know, the dread of the other that we can talk about now about like you know what makes someone a human what makes someone a individual body you know part of what's really terrifying about cannibalism is this like you know devouring of someone who looks just like you or something that looks just like you and like sort of the dissolve like a, a dissolve of like um autonomy you know or individual that you're you're just like falling into complete and total chaos yeah it's like the it's like the the fear of the same almost it's like you could maybe make a similar argument with like homosexuality as like yeah like it's like the homo instead of the hetero of like being forced to like see yourself in the other and then see that there might not be a difference between you and the other and when in fact you become same and then so therefore like all types of division between you and the other dissolve and you were the other the entire time. And that's why gay sex is so Mm -hmm. great. So (laughs) there's a, there's a really good book chapter. I can't remember what it's called. I'll send it to you. Um, But it's about like sameness and difference in Levitical law. I was like, is this difference of repetition by Deleuze? (laughs) No, uh, it's an, it's a, it's a, alarm? <laughs> alarm. a very, very, I don't have a Dilla's alarm. Um, <laughs> I'll make one. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, sameness and difference in Levitical law, meaning like you can have these kinds of foods, but not these kinds of foods. Okay. That makes sense. All ancient people are concerned with their food, but you can wear these kind of clothes that are all the same, but you can't have mixed fabrics. What's that about? Right. Why is this impurity entwined with difference? Mm-hmm. And so difference and purity kind of go hand in hand. It's sort of like a little kid that like, I was this little kid. You take all the different parts of your, your dinner. You don't want the peas to touch the mashed potatoes. You don't right. want them to touch the chicken. You, you put them all separate, right? 
little weirdly, kids are like this sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly, I liked to put everything together, which is why I'm bisexual. I do now. Yeah. <laughs> I do now, but as a yeah. kid, I was like, don't, nothing can touch. I, I mean, right. I didn't separate I'm eating this them. now I didn't and that. I touching, but I ate one food group at a time. It's like, I would oh, eat yeah. all of my I mashed liked, potatoes first. I didn't mind I if they touched to do, the turkey, but I would eat all the mashed potatoes first. I've always been like one perfect bite person. Ooh, yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a pea with some mashed potatoes, with some gravy, and then a little piece of turkey or whatever. Four peas. <laughs> yeah, four peas. I think peas. that's a cultural thing. Because One like scoop in- of ice cream. cream. <laughs> yes, sorry. In some places, it's very much like you put a big pile of rice, and then you put something on top of it, grab the rice, and then eat it. But the rice ha- can't be mixed in, right? Right, yeah. So the rice has to be mixed. Every bite has to be a perfect bite. So there's like perfect bite societies, and there's nothing can touch societies. <laughs> sort of... That's what this whole chapter is about. Is like, why can nothing touch? Why is there nothing different? And because the argument is, like, like uh, the Israelites are just Canaanites. Like they're just saying we're different from these other Canaanites, but they are Canaanites, right? They're they're trifictiani. They are twelve tribes of different ethnic groups that came together to become Israel, right? That's a that's a secular understanding, of course. If you're very tied to the Book of Genesis and Exodus, that's fine. That's totally on you. Um, but in reality. It was a it was a trifictiony, meaning a a, congr- a, a a confederacy of twelve tribes that came together and, and did these things. So creating like purity and purity and difference are very much like right next to each other, and they're very much like you. The more difference you have, the more purity you have, and that's why there's sort of this like differencing that Kate was talking about, which I've already lost the thread of because I got too con- I got too into my own metaphor. That's okay. Um, but what, but rewind like one minute, whatever Kate was talking about, that's relevant now. (laughs) Because purity purity and difference has to do with that sort of like othering of people. Yeah. I also think it's really funny that like, since the very beginning people, because they are people find loopholes for all of these rules. And, um, you know, like, uh. It's super funny because Jay was telling me something about capybaras. And then today I was reading this article um, about it's like an interview with this person who wrote um, an intellectual history of cannibalism. Their name is uh, I am never going to say this right because they're Romanian, but it's uh, like Catatlin Avramescu. Um, And they were talking about how, you know, avoiding meat during specific like Christian religious um, periods was an imperative, but like medieval Eastern Orthodox monks declared the European beaver, a furry fish. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause so that they could eat him. Yep. And then, yeah, the capybaras were also like aquatic animals. So they could also be eaten in Argentina and Brazil. Mm-hmm. There's a, a song yeah. by the, the cello rock band Rasputina about it called rats. It's nice. really good. Shouts out. Um, there's, there's a type of bird that's classified as a fish so that you can eat it on Lent. There, there's all, I know for a fact there's a Wikipedia page of animals that are misclassified by Catholicism so you can eat them during Lent. Amazing. I'll put it on our, uh, I'll Puffins. find it and, and tweet it. Puffins or fish. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why not penguins? Penguins they probably are, they but like they don't live around time. people no, that much. True. Yeah, except in uh in the Falklands. Yeah. Puffins are yeah, they're around 
people a lot more, I guess. Oh, but wait, I keep trying to bring this back up. The, okay. the body, right? Um, the fear of the body. So bodily resurrection, theologically, is a huge deal for second century, third century Christians. So, and it's really funny because most Christians today are heretics because the whole argument about hetero, like Orthodox Christianity, meaning like all Christianities that exist today, because all the the heterodox ones were killed, right? Um, eventually. So, all Orthodox Christianity believes in the bodily resurrection, meaning your body, your physical body will be resurrected at the end of the world during the, during the eschaton, right? Most Christians today, if you go into a church and say, like, what, what, what's your spiritual body going to be like? They, they won't mention their physical body. They're like, it'll be a different body. Heresy. That's all heresy. People got killed over this. This is a very, very big deal. And so there's a lot of discussion of like, well, Christians couldn't do cannibalism because we won't even do infanticide, which Romans will do by exposure, right? Right. So with exposure, we'll put babies out. Some either it will die because it has a disability, or someone will take it in and raise it. Or, most likely, someone will take it and sell it as a slave, right? So, this happens in the Disney movie Hercules, if you need a reference. Um, he is exposed as a baby because um, he's not God enough. What a sweet story. Yeah. So, and it's very much like the there were laws about, like, can you go and reclaim this child? Because what if you abandon a child and then wait 10 years and then come back and say, hey, that's my child. I want it back because I am the father. And according to like the law, you're the father. Um, but someone has paid 10 years of their education. Maybe they know a trade or something. You have to pay them now because they've raised your child for you, right? Because this was a problem. This is the thing that happened. So because Christians were very against abortion and uh, the, the Christian apology, well, Christian apologists tell us that they were against abortion. Remember, all of these sources are Christian apologists. So, they tell us, no, we couldn't be doing cannibalism because we don't even do infant exposure, a thing you, Romans, do all the time. Uh, we won't even do that because uh, what if the child is ripped up by dogs? That flesh will be eaten by a dog and become part of the flesh of a dog, and therefore can't be reunited with that body in the end of times, in the eschaton, right? Right. So they're very concerned about this kind of shit. And there were kind of arguments like between, like, I think Tertullian comes in here and he's like, no, animals couldn't, couldn't use human meat. They would eat it and they would just shit it out. And turns out people didn't find that comforting. Weird <laughs> enough. You would shit it out like corn kernels was the, was the metaphor. You'd shit and out, then like, what? And then it would just reassemble in the afterlife? It would reassemble uh, during the end of times, yeah. Incredible. Which is coming any day now. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Christians during this time are, like, they are expecting the end of the world. They're very much like That's abstinence true. till I die. They're like, if you are married, stop having sex. Because, like, that will, like, if you are, if you are a convert and you're married, you have to stop having sex. Because there's no point in reproducing because the end is coming. I guess we like, all just better now. start doing sodomy. May 14th, you know, it's yeah. happening. They've been doing May 14th for 2,000 years, right? They have, so, they have. That's so it's a hard really, sell, too, to convert Yeah, they had to kind of give up on that. 
Yeah, I could see that. That's like that's yeah. like the um, the shakers were anti uh, reproducing, and like they, you know, you kill yourselves out basically. <laughs> like you, you don't last that long if you won't reproduce. Yeah, you you have to assimilate into patriarchy. Doctrines. Yeah, yeah, and that's why early Christianity has women in leadership and that's why in the pastoral epistles which we know come later or we assume come later but we're pretty sure it says like women can't talk in church right women can't lead women's surfaces because and we know this now because we see religious movements come up in the modern age we can actually study how a religious movement develops like sort of like natural selection and it's like yeah women will be very very active in them until they're pushed aside or it will die out it will either be absorbed into patriarchy or it will go away. So it's you're either absorbed into the patriarchy and the Roman Empire, or your version of Christianity kind of goes away. Yeah. Yeah, like I love this. Like I um in the uh so in the Girls Guts and Jalo episode on Passion of the Christ, um something that they talk about is how Christianity is a incredibly embodied religion. Like it is very focused on not just like what you do with the body, but like, you know, it is about God made flesh, right? Like that's like its whole, that's, that's its whole shebang. Or, you know, I, I see Justin going like, well, <laughs> like, I'm like, I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, more or less. Yeah. I mean, a lot of religions are like, you're made in God's, God's image, but like, but then it's like, or, or, yeah, it's like, then there's even more so than that. It's like God is made flesh and therefore, our bodies are God, like, like we have to be concerned with our bodies too, because like we have to treat, you know, if God made everything and God made flesh, then like our, our flesh then is of God kind of. Right. And so like the way that you treat your body is like of such a high priority in certain aspects of, of Christianity, largely because of like, the Christ story and, and stuff like that. And probably other things. I'm, I'm not a theology person like Justin mm-hmm. is. I'm not a theology guy, but um, yeah, it was like, it was interesting um, to sort of think about that compared to other religions. Um, yeah. Cause like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, I grew it up, and goes. I grew up Catholic um, and my, it was a, it was a deal made between my, um, my mom and my grandparents that if we lived with my grandparents, my brother and I would have to go to church. So um, on Sundays, and I don't think this is practiced as much, honestly, but like on Sundays um, before church, you couldn't eat or drink anything. Oh, I've never heard of that. Oh yeah. That's a, that's an old school Catholic thing, but you, you can't eat or drink anything. You can't take anything into your body before you take the blood of Christ, the body of Christ into your body That's because hot. your body. <laughs> I mean, it is hot as a kid, not a fan. <laughs> and my brother and I would constantly sneak like Entenmann's pastries, like bef- while well, my grandparents weren't paying attention and we would get in trouble. Like if, um, if they saw us, they were like, you know, your body is not pure. Your body is supposed to be pure to take in the blood of Christ and the body of Christ. And, you know, your stupid body is filled with pastries. (laughs) But, but yes, I think, um, 
particularly Catholicism is extremely embodied um, and continues to be that way. Yeah, I mean, all Orthodox Christianity is supposed to be about the bodily resurrection, but the weird thing is, Christians stopped kind of caring about that. I don't know when exactly, but it's sort of like, Catholicism is still very embodied, but it's very much like, you know, do you talk about the bodily resurrection? Do you do you talk about, like, making sure you're buried in the right cemetery facing the right direction so that when your body is called out of the out of the earth that you're going to be facing the right direction, uh, that you don't donate your organs? You know, like, that's stuff that people are worried about. Like, what happens if I'm an organ donor? Like, that happens once in a while with modern Christians, but most modern Christians don't give a shit. They're like, God will figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people don't take it. Yeah, it is way less literal than it used to be. I think people understand that it is like a metaphorical, um, you know, like digestion. Yeah. Yeah. The bodily stuff comes and goes. What Jay was saying, sorry, sorry, Jay, but uh, what you were saying earlier before I forget, um, the stuff about like the body being pure, Southern Baptists, which is the tradition I was raised in, I don't mention it often because I, I have a lot of fun figuring out like asking people like what they think mine was and they're like are you jewish i was like no um Mm -hmm. i get jewish a lot that's a weird one i'm like that's nowhere near correct but um (laughs) but they're very much um you can't they're very strict prohibitionists no alcohol they're like there's a very specific a very specific thing you cannot have alcohol Uh uh-oh and you can't have tattoos what that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, when um, the the evangelical, like, Baptist church that I went to, um, when my dad, like, after he divorced, like, my abusive stepmom, um, he got saved, right? Because, you know, that's what tends to happen when you go through shit like that. Um, yeah. And he was so excited about it, and he wanted to be in the church choir because my dad is a singer. He's a very good singer. And they wouldn't let him because he smokes and uh, that, because that made his body impure. And he went, well, fuck you, and then stopped. <laughs> Like, yeah, like going but again, to church ever million, again. <laughs> yeah, there's a million loopholes that like the people in power of those churches will figure out. You know, yeah. I mean, the masses probably have to follow the rules, but we don't have. Oh, I was like, we don't have masses, but you meant like a mass of people. <laughs> oh, the mass of people. Yeah, but like the pastors don't have to follow the rules, right? Yeah, especially those like the weird thing. Yeah, of, yeah. but the weird thing about that is, I was never giving a. I was never given a real theological explanation for why I couldn't have tattoos. There was a little pamphlet, I remember, because we went to an extremely conservative uh, Southern Baptist church for a little bit. Um, A guy who was so conservative that when we were at another Baptist church, he came and guest preached one time and was not invited back because we were kind of of having like an interfaith kind of little thing. Mm. And he was just like, fuck black people, I think was more or less what his... Thing was Southern Baptist. Remember, they split over slavery. Yeah, right? yeah. But it was um, I don't remember. He was saying something about Muslims or something. I think we might have had like Muslim guests that day. It was supposed to be like a ecumenical thing, and they let him talk, okay. and then he pissed off everyone, right? Which he figured was his job. But we went to his church, and he had a little pamphlet on like why you can't be tattooed. And the weird thing is, the reason you can't be tattooed is because you don't want to be a Canaanite. Now. I'm not worried about being perceived as a Canaanite. I think mostly only ancient Israelites were worried about being perceived as a Canaanite. And that's <laughs> like a Jewish said. thing, right? Like you can't be tattooed. Right. Uh, it, it, it is comes, also, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, it comes from, it's like Levitical law. It's like law that selectively applies to Christians when we feel like it. Yeah, being Um, perceived as a Canaanite isn't a thing that comes up a whole lot in contemporary Western society. (laughs) Yeah, so you read the pamphlet, it's like Leviticus says you can't have tattoos. And I'm like, okay, I'm not Jewish. I know people keep thinking this about me, uh, but I'm reading this pamphlet and it's like, I'm not Jewish. I can have tattoos because... It doesn't matter if I'm perceived to be a Canaanite. I'm not a you know a a fifth BC like a fifth BC century writer trying to prove that we are different from Canaanites who speak the same language and worship the same gods as us. Uh, well, they have tattoos. That's different. We don't purity and difference, right? That's how these things come together. Right. So the the Romans in the second century are kind of doing the same thing. It's like, well, you know, we eat certain things. Uh, Christians might eat certain things and and Christians are very much like, well, we don't eat dogs, you know, no one eats dogs, but what if we are eaten by dogs? Or what if you abandon your children and your children are eaten by dogs and then you eat the dog? Does that make you a cannibal actually? And so Christians would kind of like flip this on the Romans. So there's this whole like inter-Roman debate because Christians are all Romans. Um, but they're all kind of like accusing each other of cannibalism and infanticide and stuff like that. And that's kind of more or less where I've come with this whole episode is like, yeah, I think that's kind of where the cannibalism was going on. Although we have not considered yet, were the Christians in the second century just eating people? (laughs) Again, it's like how sodomy as a charge was often used against people for political reasons, but also... They do be butt Yeah, whether it was happening or not. Yeah, they do be butt-fucking. <laughs> everybody was. It's just, when was it a bad thing? So it's like, everybody participates in cannibalism, but when is it a bad thing? Or- right. And Christianity yeah. is a slave religion, right? Yeah. People who are desperate. Maybe desperation happened. I mean, I was literally talking about this with um, someone the other day, like, that um, fucking... Not to get true crimey on here, but like the the plane crash in the Andes of like the the soccer the football team, uh, the Don- uh, Donner Party. No, <laughs> or, or no. Um, but one of the ways that the, the that the that the survivors of it survived was through cannibalism, and because they were like all Brazilian, they were very Catholic, um, and they sort of defended it to themselves and each other. It's like, hey, when I die, it's okay if you eat me. Because like, you know, we eat the body of Christ and like we are doing this out of love to help each other survive. So it's okay. And once they got rescued and the doctors were like, how the fuck have they been surviving this long without food? And then saw that there was food in their stomachs and that there's really only one place it could have come from. And the public kind of then backlashed against these boys and the Catholic Church actually defended them. Being like, hey, no, they were correct in interpreting what they needed to do and why, based off of what we do with the body of Christ and, and stuff, and like how Christ sacrificed himself and gave his body for us. Like they were they were correct in interpreting that as a way of survival. And so I thought that was just like so interesting that's like the Catholic Church defended actual literal cannibalism, um, because the boys who did it, like also like made sure that they were doing it for reasons that aligned with their own religion and stuff. I don't know. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, like, you know, we don't want to talk about, we don't like to talk about true crime in a, I guess, like, salacious way. But, like, that story of the, you know, shipwrecked boys is, like, a story of cooperation, honestly. You know? that I mean, they were in the most horrible situation and like i know people want to think it's like it was like yellow jackets but it was absolutely not you know they were doing everything they possibly could to like keep everyone alive and like they couldn't and so they made a decision that is like the scariest thing that people probably have to make right yeah so it's like yeah it's like what happens if we think that the early Christians actually were doing cannibalism. Like what about those forms of cannibalism became anti-Semitic dog whistles? Like what came Mm -hmm. first? Right. Yeah. I mean, that line is the whole thing that I was kind of looking for and couldn't find. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds like it was just, a you know, sort of like tried and true, accusation against whoever the next other is you know it's like yeah i think so the most recent immigrants in the united states always get shit on by the you know the people who have uh like transformed into white you know quote unquote like white americans man i had i had thought like right on the tip of my brain i was like starting to write a note and all I got out was Romans and Greeks, and then I lost it. I was like, ah! <laughs> well, I see in your notes that um, there's uh, lots of other accusations of cannibalism in Greek slash Roman world. Is that maybe? Yeah, against Indians in particular, it's it's used as like sort of like, oh yeah, they eat their dead as you know, is a is a ritual or sort of things. There was definitely um, Christians were accusing people of uh, accusing Romans of like, well, you say we're cannibals, but you sacrifice the, the political dead to Jupiter, right? Like, you know, uh, if, if you're executing someone, isn't that a sacrifice to your, it is literally a sacrifice to your gods. But then if you think about it now, what is execution? It is just a sacrifice to the God, right? Like, because it doesn't reform a person. It doesn't undo the harm they've done. Why do right. we kill people? We're sacrificing them to a God. This is, um, this is something I want to say Marcusa talked about, um, that if you translated words back and back further and further and further, you would just get to pure mythology. And so it's like a person died because a person was subjected to capital punishment is like a person was sacrificed to the gods because they had done a crime against the gods, right? Because they had done murder, right? right? Murder forbidden by the gods, right? You can take everything back to mythology because everything is mythology. And if our tradition is mythology, all Western tradition, all Western philosophy is mythology. Oh no, that's really bad for Westerners because that means African mythology might be really good or uh, uh, far Eastern mythology might be really good. It might be on the same level as all of these mythologies that we say are we call other things like science and philosophy. Yeah. Right. Donna Haraway talks about this a lot um, through the lens of storytelling. You know, everything is a story and it matters what stories tell stories. Um, like how are we in like the Butlerian sense of 
performativity? How are we performing things into reifying things into existence? Um, yeah, I was thinking like every every single episode because we're still so early in this podcast, but like every single episode, I feel like something unlocks in like what the larger project of of this podcast is of like what is our like politic of cannibalism, right? And just like thinking about how all these all this talk of like same indifference and how allegations of cannibalism are used to create difference whereas cannibalism in and of itself is very much about consuming the same and thinking about other religions like i know in um in a buddhism um the talk of like right sexuality right um this is often used as the like buddhism is homophobic um line because it's it's basically an anti-sodomy kind of thing no non procreative sex no um you know no sex boring that, yeah no sex that is yeah really yeah, don't take refuge in sex that kind of thing um, oh, but i like that refuge i know i do too i'm a really <laughs> bad buddhist um <laughs> i take refuge in the buddha the dharma the sangha and fucking um <laughs> i add a fourth thing um no what if you find the buddha on the path to pussy i mean like <laughs> <laughs> okay, those are both good t-shirts. On the path to pussy. I mean, it is the called, the middle, path to pussy. It's called the middle way for a Your merch store. I get, <laughs> yeah, I get five cents off every dollar you make off every t-shirt. Okay. Yeah. But, um, That's fine. But like one of the reasons for that line in there was that, um, so Buddhism comes out of India and like is kind of a reaction against Hinduism um, for multiple reasons. And... Uh, um, Siddhartha, Shakyamuni Buddha, um, wanted like Buddhism to be as popular as possible and to be adoptable and spreadable and sort of s- syncretic as much as possible. And so you mm-hmm. want the the you know sort of the dominating culture to at least like it a little bit. And one of the things happening at the time in India was there was a lot of Persians like influence or like like. Um, you know, trade and immigration with Persia and stuff like that. And Persia loved its sodomy. Lots of butt fucking <laughs> in Persia. And a lot of like the Hindus and stuff like didn't like the Persians and stuff. And so if you say we can't do butt fucking, um, among other things, like some, you know, more like transgender type, you know, when those things were very fluid, um, can't do those things uh, like, you know, cause we're not Persians. Right. And then, the dominant sort of culture goes, Oh, we, we like your style and starts picking it up more. And so like the way that religion and politics sort of outlaws or puts a taboo on something that is very much about being the same to differentiate themselves as an act of othering. I think maybe there's some sort of larger thing there that we're unlocking about that exact kind of act and moment like the fear right. of homogeneity um as a way to create heterogeneity or something well and i think this yeah this episode pairs really well with our last episode because mm-hmm. you know justin you were saying we didn't find you know it's it's very difficult to find the sources of the othered you know of the pagans of the people who said like or, you know, the various like indigenous people who 
were accused of cannibalism. And our, luckily, like our last episode was just that was like, you know, a very modern version of it, like from the 20s, but, you know, was a, a Brazilian uh, movement, you know, that was like, oh, yeah, we are the cannibals. We're the ones that you guys have all been talking about since, you know, you came to our country and colonized us. And um, we're gonna, we're happy to devour you and like, take your influences and then bring them back to brazil and and have our own um like art and cultural movements and so i mean it was really cool because you don't get to hear you don't often get to hear the other side because history you know writes it out (laughs) right yeah and also because history is done in a very specific material way which is by written sources right Right. If you have an oral tradition, that's not history. That's pre-history, whatever the fuck that means. Right. History is done on written sources. So it's like, if you don't have writing, you don't have history. And that's nonsense, which is why we have fields like sociology, anthropology, uh, paleontology, because they had to split off from history being a discipline that's like, we focus on the written sources. But that also allows assholes like me to become historians to go, okay, you've only got this many written sources and you can't disprove what I'm going to argue in the next like hour and a half uh, because there's no other written sources. But actually, I remembered, I finally remembered, I think, what I was talking about with Greeks and Romans because uh, we started off talking about Kate's new vegetarianism. Yes. And diet is a big part of this. So, in the Greek and Roman world, you might have heard of people called the Pythagoreans. Yes, Mm -hmm. I love them. They're so weird. Who are grouped into the pre-Socratics and the Cynics, who are sort of like a little bit Are they the ones who thought beans were scary? (laughs) I don't remember what the Cynics were um, They were really into like thinking about uh, sources of sound and where they come from. So they would do lectures and stuff like behind uh, like uh, a screen or something so that like the source of the sound um, wasn't coming from anyone. And this really influenced um, uh, electronic musicians in France in like the 60s and stuff with the musique concrète movement, uh, including musicians like Elia Hadik. Oh, yeah. Well, according to this article, the Pythagoreans thought beans were dangerous. I don't know any more about it, but we'll but we'll move on. I mean, I hear they are the magical fruits. (laughs) And these are mathematicians. (laughs) I guess it depends what you think of as dangerous. (laughs) But anyway, continue on with your with uh, the Pythagoreans. So the Pythagoreans figure we can't consume animals because they're going back to this mythic history. They're like, okay, if we substituted human sacrifice for animal sacrifice, that means animals are equivalent to us. Therefore we can't be eating them because that's cannibalism. And the cynics say, actually, hypothetically, and this is very much like hypothetically, we could eat humans because They're just animals like any other animal we eat. And I think the Pythagoreans probably had like more actual people who were like, yeah, I get that. The cynics very much are portrayed as like, no one really took this as a lifestyle. Like stoicism became a lifestyle, right? Like Marcus Aurelius, uh, 
was very much like, I lived the Stoic lifestyle. I don't know if anyone lived the Cynic lifestyle. And Pythagoreans, they they became what we call sophists, and Socrates made fun of them because he's a fucking... F- well, I don't know if he was, but Plato was a fucking fascist, and he wrote Socrates to be a fascist and say, like, we need to, like, control breeding and stuff like that. And um, I remember being in library school, and they were like dissect this play this was like a fun first week thing like dissect this plato quote and i remember exactly what i wrote which was plato's fascist utopia which was not i expect what my metadata professor was expecting me to write about. but i'm sorry i already did my master's in history what do you expect i'm, I'm about to pop off about how I was just like cripping from like Bertrand Russell. And I was like, no, these all, all these motherfuckers are fascists. They Bertrand Russell is really fun. Actually, if you haven't read Bertrand Russell, he's, you know, he's a million years old in any video you see of him, but he was like, because he, he was, he was old as fuck, you know, before video and stuff, but he was really funny. I mean, I'm sure he's got like some awful side to him, but probably he was very much like, you know, an asshole and in a very funny way. So um, I really, you know, if, if you read about his religious stuff, I would, I would recommend it. Um, but yeah, that's where there it's the diet is very much like we consume animals because they're the same as us. And that's fine. We could eat people. And that's kind of like the weird thing that I come down on because as a vegetarian and a person who rescues rabbits, people make jokes to me. They're like, well, when they die, we can just, Hold up. Well, when they die, we can just eat them. This is something my grandfather said to me, and that's his voice. Um, I channeled him for a moment. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, when you die, can I eat you? <laughs> it's kind of like my thought is like, what's what's the problem? Like, yeah. I mean, dead. that's that's why this. Yeah. This podcast has helped turn me into a vegetarian because, you know, talking about the the ethics and morality of like, or, or develop, I guess, developing a theory of cannibalism for ourselves, you know, it's like, um, it's kind of the opposite of like, Oh, the cannibal is the other. It's like, Oh, the cannibal is us. And you know, how are Would we you eat your pet when it dies? Well, if I, I, I mean, I'm just for fun, just for shits and giggles. Just for when shits you and giggles. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to eat Odin because he is a skinny, weird little rope of a cat. But, but like, what difference is, you know? Yeah, yeah like, I'm Would you get General So Odin, like General So Arthur. I mean, like, I'm the kind of person where it's like, it's not the fact that it's an animal or any meat, what's like, it's not the fact that it is something that used to be living that squicks me out or makes me not want to um mm-hmm. eat it's the way that the sentient being creature died so in theory if something just died naturally of old age and wasn't killed i have no issues with that at all it, sure. it's the like killing part that um that i don't like um so it's like i'm one of those people it's like i really i think taxidermy is really cool and like i really want to get into like butterfly and moth taxidermy and there's ethical ways of doing taxidermy where the animals aren't killed it's just like once they die naturally you find them right or it's like you can like raise them and like use your butterfly or moth farm as like doing something pollination whatever and then this you just collect them as they die 
and right. then you hang them up and they look pretty and nice. Um, I have a funny story yeah. about, um, cause I d- also really like taxidermy and, um, you know, just buy vent. I buy vintage taxidermy or I bought a, I bought a taxidermy goldfinch from someone on Etsy who does um, birds, you know, that have died of some cause that they find, they find them on the ground. Like, unfortunately a lot of birds run into buildings, um, which is really sad. But so, you know, it's a goldfinch this person found on the ground. They taxidermied it. It's natural. So it doesn't have um, all these like, crazy chemicals in them that a lot of taxidermy has um so she sends it to me it's beautiful i put it on my um like side table in my living room and my cat bruce eats the entire thing like it's literally just feathers and stuffing and he dropped the two glass eyeballs on the ground so that was all he didn't eat and it's like because he thought it was a he didn't. He smelled the bird. He didn't smell like the chloroform or whatever it is that they like put in the actual taxidermied, um, like in a vintage taxidermied piece. So he just like fucking ate the entire thing. The circle of life. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't enjoy it. I can't imagine why you would eat feathers and stuffing. Yes. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's a god who eats the parts that we can't eat. That's true. It's like giving him the feet. He's like, hell yeah. Thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, the, I mean, like all cats this, are ancient gods, right? Yeah. Like in the story of Gilgamesh or the story of Noah in the Bible, the, the smell goes up to the gods and they're like, oh, it, it smells good. Yeah. I just like a smell. I love this delicious burb. Um, but yeah, Jay, I agree with you. Like, I do think, um, there was a an artist who is like a visiting artist from grad um, when I was in grad school who works with like dead bugs. Oh, nice! And it was really cool. But we asked her how she sourced all of her bugs, and it was pretty dicey. Like they are definitely collected from people in the global south, um, and yeah, that's fucked up. It's like the same. I mean, what? How? How is that different from participating in like the meat industry in some way? You know, like yeah. Um, when is it exploitation? Yeah. Well, not even that. It's like the the joke I was making is a joke within like the bunny rescuer community, which is like if you have a rabbit, someone's gonna be like, oh, ho, 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 you're gonna put it in rabbit stew, and everyone fucking makes this joke to you, and you're just like, okay, that's weird. You don't make a joke about me having dog stew yeah it's kind of sociopathic really but it's really strange and people yeah. do this and it's like because this is an acceptable food right not an acceptable pet but your pet i can't eat it for some reason that you've made up which right. is very strange right or i can't eat your grandmother when she's dead like i'm not gonna kill her but if she's already dead What's the fucking problem, right? Right, Which, right. Like, I like you don't I, believe I said, in the bodily resurrection. If I have to get something amputated or something, I would love to eat it because I think that would be fun. Oh, I, this has happened. Yeah, I know you it has happened. Often they won't let you. I know but, it's stupid. If you can eat your placenta, yeah, you I should be able doctor. to eat like a foot or something. You know, 
Yeah, if you can eat your placenta, actually, that's fucking sexist. If you can eat your placenta, <laughs> oh, you should boy. be able to eat your fucking foot. <laughs> I'm a men's rights activist now, actually. Oh, no. I'm saying it's a consent issue because you can eat a guy's dick and balls with consent. The you law can. doesn't I like that. I would love that. to do that. Apparently some guy and like here we here I, I am turning into a true I'm turning into a true crime person, but some guy um consented to get his dick and balls cut off and eaten and the guy like didn't cook it very well and then tried to eat it and it didn't taste good and they just abandoned it. Can you imagine how much like that is so I find that incredibly disrespectful. Like if you're gonna Wait, spend that much time, I thought time, the guy died. What? I thought the guy died. I thought it was. Well, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> we there's no way we can look this up. There's no way. We're not going to do it right now. But anyway, the story that I heard again, true crime is. A, a, <laughs> Did you know Marilyn Manson can suck? Yeah, I, mean, I heard that. I heard up. that story. <laughs> Did you know that Richard Gere puts um, hamsters in his butthole? Gerbils, thank you. Gerbils, gerbils. And that Richard, uh, uh, Elizabeth Gear or something. He's got a woman's that, middle uh, woman's name. His middle name. And that who swallowed like a gallon of cum? Me. Somebody. <laughs> it was Jay. I, mean, I I I know some people. Probably. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, are you friends with a trans woman? <laughs> You're like only a gallon. <laughs> That's not I've that much. Words. I've seen. Yeah, I've seen some shit. <laughs> I, follow, I follow that that trans girl on um, on Blue Sky who put a uh, cum on a chicken sandwich and ate it. Oh, delicious. She's great. I love her. <laughs> I mean. I'm in chicken is a really good chicken sandwich. That's an interesting ethical like category. A cum and chicken sandwich. Cannibalism and Meat. Uh, carnival. Yeah. Yeah. Harnism okay. at the same so, time. Yes. So I was dating I was dating someone. I can't believe all my dating stories come from the same person who I dated for like four whole months. Um, but they do. So I was dating someone and they were explaining veganism to me, right? And I was very mm-hmm. much on board with like not eating meat, not eating whatever. But the argument of veganism they use is the animal rights argument for veganism, which I don't really buy into because I'm like domesticated animals are domesticated we would have to make them extinct to to like not use them anymore right mm-hmm. and her argument was well what if i kept you in a cage and i like used your fingernails for something hot and i was like <laughs> and i was like yes we're dating you've eaten my cum <laughs> it's very much like i don't the the animal the animal right argument doesn't really work because, like, we have so many animals. Like, if I uh, like go be free, bunnies, they're all going to die. Like, we've domesticated animals. There's this whole like interrelationship of things. So it's very much like um, I don't know why I'm bringing this up. This has nothing to do with second century Christianity. Yeah, it's all right. Um, no, it might. It might. Hold on. I can. All I can right, do this. tie it together. This. I can do this. So second century Christians would write a whole lot about like sexual sins. And one of the sexual sins they said was fellatio is wrong because ferrets reproduce through oral sex. I'm sorry. Why human can't do oral sex because it makes you animalistic. Jay is having a spasm. (laughs) It, uh, it turns you into a ferret. 
Honey. No, it doesn't turn you into a I ferret. Know, it's just I know, I know. But you might as well be a ferret. Might as well be a ferret. Wait, ferrets reproduce through oral sex? That they can't don't, be right. They believe- okay. This is some Aristotelian bullshit. Okay, this is, this like, is like the humor. This is like, you spiders know. Spiders have ten legs kind right, of bullshit. Right, 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 right. I mean, they used to think that maggots were inside of a human body and they came out at some point. Nice. That can happen, but that's not what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I love the idea of ferrets reproducing through oral sex. Um, I mean, I know so many people who'd be fucked financially. <laughs> just babies constantly popping just out. Fucking, not, they're gone, words, but man. don't let it stop you from trying, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? If you would like to do a little ferret play after this episode, like, tell us about it. You could, like, get, like, one of those stripy tail butt plugs. Yeah, send us a DM. Tell us about how much you tried to impregnate your um, lover uh, through ferret style. (laughs) It's it's like, it's the, instead of puppy play, you know? (laughs) Ferret play! Why is there not more ferret play? They're mu- they're, you have to just I be mean, like a silly are- little guy, you know. I love ferrets. Great. Yeah, ferrets are fun. There must be tons of furry ferrets. They're yeah, so long hey, and furries. If you gift slippery? as a furry, like let us know. Send us very detailed yeah, if you're a DM. Ferret furry Send us an email. And you have participated in. Send us a voice note. Um, Send us a video. Yeah. Unironically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're a ferret furry and you've participated in second century. Um, Christian uh, ferret reproduction. Someone's gonna get so off. (laughs) I know. Like with this concept, you are welcome. I would say I was impressed that I could pull that back to second century Christianity, but I'm not. I knew I could do it. I'm I'm impressed. I know. I've I've been your friend long enough that I I always believed in you. That that's just who you are as a person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I can't remember one single celebrity's name, but I can fucking tell you bullshit (laughs) about about second century Christianity and ferrets. (laughs) Okay. Do we think this is a good place? Uh, I mean, where do we go from ferret? uh, (laughs) Action oriented question. What should you do? You should send us a video. Yeah. But no, like seriously, what are some like final thoughts we have? Like what do we do with this information about second century Christians and cannibalism and and ferret play? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go last. Oh. Okay. Well, like I said, I I'm very into this idea of looking at how you know, I think it might it's opened my eyes a little bit. I'm like seeing in the matrix and seeing the code of like the way that um, sameness has been weaponized as like a, a bad thing as a way to then differentiate and make something the other. Like what is it about sameness that is so existentially and ontologically threatening? Um, because we see it here with cannibalism, we see it with sodomy and specifically male, um, male, uh, anal sexuality, um, call me. Uh, we see it with, with ferrets, with ferrets, um, you know, all sorts of things. And like, 
how do you differentiate yourself from the other and show that you aren't someone who does this thing that is so ontologically collapsing, right? So mm-hmm. that would sort of be what I took from this. And I love the idea of like political cannibalism, like tying in with like the, the manifesto from last episode. Yeah. Yeah. I love how much this is a really nice companion to the last episode, like without even planning it. And, um, you know, I'm, uh, insert to Liz alarm here, but I'm always like, you know, I'm, I'm very fascinated always in that, like, um, the existential dread that humans have of being like permeable, you know, and, and like being able to be devoured by our, by another human or devouring another human that like it's possible it's very possible and how yeah just like how terrifying it is you know because i'm always interested in um i just finished red x by david it's so good isn't it kate it's so good it's so good and there's so much devouring on the podcast so i know we're mutual on things (laughs) yeah let's do it um yeah so i've been i've been thinking a lot about uh you know, I mean, the book is about like, you know, loss and, and, um, you know, communities dissolving, uh, like gay communities dissolving through like the AIDS epidemic and then later like gentrification and homophobia and, um, you know, Christo fascists, um, and like kind of takes, takes the form of people being like, devour well it seems like at first they're just like disappearing without a trace but then you find out they're being like literally devoured in this like kind of horrific way and so like how yeah how terrifying that is for humans to think about um but then also like how hot it is for a lot of people too yeah that book is really hot yeah (laughs) and um yeah i don't know i always i'm just like always really happy to like sit in that little place where it's like a little gross and queasy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Justin. Yeah, my main takeaway. Yeah, my main takeaway is really how persistent the idea of cannibalism is as an othering device. I mean, yeah. that's kind of from my reading is really what stuck with me is like, wow, we just always call people cannibals. Uh, but when cannibalism actually has to happen, we make excuses for it. We're like, yeah, you had to do it. Right. Um, the ancients had to do it. The gods had to do it. Like, of course, Zeus had to eat his son. The Jewish of course, his father had to eat his son. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, later they can't. Yeah. Like, but I mean, it's it's very much like they're they're primitive in the sense that they do do it. But we are civilized beyond that now. The ancient heroes could do it. The ancient gods could do it. The stories about them could do it. And I know there was there was a, there was an article I didn't get to read, but it was about lamentations. And I know I had to do something with. Um, with God causing pain, causing cannibalism, and then a lamentation to God saying, like, why did you cause us to experience this? And that's sort of a very Jewish response where it's much like, why did you allow this to happen to us? Why, why would you make us endure this? And I think that's very fascinating, but that's a whole different thing. Um, which, you know, again, it wouldn't be me talking about Christianity in an episode where I didn't bring up like 
Christians just ignore Jewish texts most of the time, all the time, entirely of the time, have always done so. We're not Jewish. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the main thing I would want to say is, like, going forward, I'm really interested in what this podcast has to say about, like, cannibalism as a political act. Because mm-hmm. I think it's it's probably so embedded in us that we don't even notice it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, by the time this comes out, the episode with Frank will have um, come out. And also the episode with John, the, the lit court guy on the film Antiviral, which I think also talks a lot about like this like political aspect, like within culture and like, yeah, like the um, like social capital of, of cannibalism and devouring people. Um, and, and what we do with that. Um, I'm really excited, you know, once, you know, this will have, once this comes out, that will have already been out for like a month, but, um, yeah, this sort of through line, I think that we're developing here is, I'm really excited about it. Same. <laughs> so yeah, Sweet. we've been going for almost two hours and I'm the one who edits this. <laughs> um, so yeah. I've almost finished my Negroni. Oh, I don't have any alcohol and it's like 85 degrees. Negroni. I, I would kill... I would eat my own foot for a Negroni right now. Oh no! What are you, some sort you can't of god? Give it to the gods. <laughs> <laughs> what if I am? What are you, some sort of? <laughs> oh god! So yeah, Justin, tell us where the the good perverts at home can find you and all the great work that you do. Fuck off. Okay. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>